The word of the Lord from John chapter 21, verses 1 through 14. After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin, Nathanael of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, We will go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, Children, do you have any fish? They answered him, No. He said to them, Cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, It is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work, and threw himself into the sea. The other disciples came in the boat dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, about a hundred yards off. When they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid out on it and bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, Come and have breakfast. Now, none of the disciples dared to ask him, Who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them, and so with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Dear friends in Christ, he is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Of the 11 disciples who remain at the start of our gospel reading, at least four of them are fishermen. In that case, you'd think they'd be fairly skilled at catching fish. Somehow, though, the disciples are always coming across as fishless fishermen. In Luke 5, Jesus spends time teaching the crowds on shore from Peter's boat. When he's done, he tells Peter to put out into the deep and let down the nets for a catch. Peter puts up a small protest then, perhaps in part because a rabbi giving fishing advice to fishermen, that's like me telling mechanics how to fix my car. But more than that, Peter readily admits that, fisherman though he might be, he was fishing all night and he got skunked. But he follows Jesus' direction and the net is so full of fish that it starts to break. Then there's that time when the 5,000 plus have been listening to Jesus all day and the disciples tell him to send away the crowds to find food. Jesus says, You give them something to eat. 
and the disciples have five loaves of bread between them. The fishermen also come up with a grand total of two fish. St. John goes on to point out that the bread and fish don't even belong to them, but they're confiscating a boy's lunch. Well, Jesus blesses the bread and the fish, and the end result is that 5,000 men plus women and children are fed with baskets of leftovers. There's a similar miracle a little while later, this time with Gentiles instead of Jews, where Jesus tells the disciples to feed the crowd, and they come up with seven loaves and a few fish. A few fish is all. I wonder if they raided somebody's lunchbox again. Nice job, fishermen. At any rate, once again, Jesus blesses the food, and there's enough to feed 4,000, along with leftovers once again. Now, here we are in John chapter 21, with the disciples waiting in Galilee, according to Jesus' instructions. And while they are waiting, they decide to go fishing. What's the result? We read, they went out and got into the boat, and that night they caught nothing. Are you surprised? I'm not surprised. Now, yes, I'm poking fun at the disciples a little. If they were always this bad at fishing, then they would have been out of business long before Jesus called them to follow him. It is interesting to me, however that the fishermen never seem to have fish until Jesus provides for them. So, here we go again. When morning dawns, a stranger greets them from shore and asks if they've caught any fish, and strangely, he calls them children. When they reveal that they've caught nothing, he tells them to cast their net on the right side of the boat as if that will make a difference. They do. They catch more than the net is made to hold, and they figure out pretty quickly that the stranger on shore is Jesus. They head for shore. The impetuous Peter throws on his robe and swims to him. And when they arrive, Jesus has a charcoal fire burning with bread and fish already cooking as he bids them to bring some more fish from their net. I suppose we could say that after all that has happened, after the trauma of the crucifixion and the unbelievable joy of the resurrection, some things have changed, some things have not. Jesus hasn't changed. Well, he now has nail prints in his hands and feet and a scar in his side, inflicted by sinful humanity. But he remains the same savior of humanity that he always has been. There is no flinching when sinners draw near, no anger that they're so slow in the uptake, and no aloofness because they don't deserve his grace. He has sought out these disciples by the sea. He has given them another miraculous catch of fish, and he has summoned them to himself. And when they arrive, he feeds them. So, no, Jesus hasn't changed. He's the Lord of creation who commands fish where to swim, and he submitted to the cross and the tomb for the disciples' salvation. If anything, he's just revealing his glory a little bit more than before the cross. Before, he gave them a miraculous catch of fish so big that it broke the nets. 
But this time part of the miracle is the nets don't break despite the count and not a single fish is lost. Before he fed 5,000 with bread and fish that had spent the day in a boy's satchel, edible but cold, now the fish sizzle and the smell of baked bread rises from the fire. He's the same Jesus, but a little bit more Jesus than they saw before. Peter has changed. Three years ago, he was the fisherman and decent fellow trying to get along in life. Though when he saw Jesus work that miracle of the miraculous catch of fish back then, he knew his sinfulness and he wanted to get away from the Holy Son of God as fast as he possibly could. Now, he's far more acutely aware that he's a sinner. Remember, he denied Jesus three times the night that the Lord was betrayed. And we know from the next verses after our reading that this still weighs heavily on Peter's mind. But even though Peter is far more conscious of his sinfulness, this time he doesn't want to get away from the Holy Son of God. Instead, he can't wait to get to Jesus. The sinful Peter swims for shore because that's where he'll find the risen Jesus who died and rose to forgive his sins. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is always the holy, almighty Son of God, and that is as true when he is swaddled in a manger as when he is enthroned in heaven at the Father's right hand. It is as true when he hangs on the cross, gasping his last as he dies for your sins, as it is when he emerges from the tomb on Easter Sunday. Jesus does not die because he can't help it, but because he gladly submits to it to save you. For your salvation, he conceals his glory and hides his power at times, but you can be sure that he is always the holy, almighty Son of God. You can also be sure that he is always gracious and merciful, that he desires to forgive your sins so that you might have life in his name. In fact, behold, that morning by the sea, Jesus took the bread and gave it to the disciples, then the fish hot off the grill, and with 153 fish, the disciples could eat their fill and be satisfied for hours, for days to come. But Jesus ups the ante and visits you with a better meal tonight. He gives you his body and blood for the forgiveness of your sins, that you might be satisfied and alive forever. It's his body and blood that have already endured death and come out of the grave again. And with that, he gives you immortality. There's 153 fish, says John. And I'm told that in the ancient world, it was thought that there were 153 different species of fish. In that case, perhaps the Lord is reinforcing what he said when he first called the fishermen to be disciples, saying that he would make them fishers of men. They are to go and catch people with the gospel. However, they'll be skunked in their evangelism unless Jesus provides the catch. So Jesus has caught you. You are no longer the same. For the Lord has worked a great change in you. 
He has turned you from lost sinner to baptized child. He has joined you to his death and resurrection already and opened the kingdom of heaven to you. Your grave, it's just a resting place, for he will raise you from the dead. As our epistle tonight proclaims, your life is hidden with God. You don't see it yet, but you are alive in Christ forever, and it will all be revealed on the last day. God grant that you are like Peter and the other disciples who fished that night, that whenever the Savior is at hand, you are quick to make your way to hear his word, partake of his meal, and receive his blessings. God grant you always the joy that even if your labors in this darkness appear as fruitless as the disciples' overnight fishing expedition, you know that your Savior awaits to summon you in the morning. This is sure because Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, which means he is always risen indeed. Alleluia. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.